0: You have tuned in to a study of Paul's first epistle to the Thessalonian Christians. And today we are in chapter 4, beginning with verse 9, which deals with brotherly love. This is different from the usual word for love in the Bible that is so strongly emphasized, which is agape love or sacrificial love. But here we have the word from which we get Philadelphia. The Greek word is philadelphios, the Greek word for brotherly love. Listen to what Paul writes beginning with 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 9. But concerning love of the brethren... You have no need to have anyone write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, and indeed you do love all the brethren throughout Macedonia. But we exhort you, brethren, to do so more and more, to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we charge you so that you may command the respect of outsiders and be dependent on nobody. Well, here, this word Philadelphia is a word outside the New Testament denoting affection toward a blood brother. In the New Testament, however, it always denotes love within the Christian brotherhood. And so Paul is reminding them Even though he said you have no need for anyone to write to you, he does it. He wants to call attention to the fact that there is something that is to be continuously going on in Christian circles, and that's love for one another. Paul said you don't need to be taught this because you have been taught by God to love one another. Now what does he mean by that? How were they taught by God? Well, it's perhaps... By God's example. The apostle John wrote about it in his first epistle. In chapter four, verse ten, he wrote, In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the expiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It is interesting to observe that at the end of verse 9, where Paul writes, we have been taught by God to love one another, he uses the other Greek verb for love, agapao, from which we get agape or agape love. The first part of the verse talks about brotherly love, but the end of the verse talks about sacrificial love because God's love was sacrificial. He sacrificed his son and that's how he showed his love for us. And I think maybe Paul wants to make a comparison. That when God loved, he really loved. It cost God something. But I'm asking that you at least have brotherly love. And he reminds them of that. Now, he said they were taught by God. This reminder that they have been taught by God is one word in the Greek and it's used only one other time in the Bible and I think that's significant. In John chapter 6 where Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day as it is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by God. Here is that same single Greek word. It means God taught. God does teach. God teaches by his spirit. He teaches through his word. And apparently, Jesus here was saying in John chapter 6, that no one can come to Jesus unless he is taught by God. Which means God is active through his word as the word is being preached. And there is teaching from God himself. Now, the question is, are you listening to God? Well, those who have believed obviously have listened to God because they have listened and they have accepted and they have believed in the Christ, the one God sent. Now, in verse 10, Paul commends them. He said, Indeed, you do love all the brethren throughout Macedonia, that's the northern part of Greece, but we exhort you, brethren, to do so more and more. And then he adds, again this theme that recurs throughout this epistle, that they ought to work to support themselves. Listen to verse 11. To aspire to live quietly to mind your own affairs, or, as it says in another translation, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. This word aspire, to live quietly, comes from one Greek word, and it can be translated in several ways. It can mean to be ambitious or to strive eagerly, meaning that the person who was doing this was wholeheartedly and energetically pursuing the object. Now, by aspiring to live quietly, they are to do two things, Paul instructs, mind their own business and work with their own hands. Two activities are implied by these statements. They were tending to the affairs of others instead of minding their own business, and they were not supporting themselves. Additionally, whatever they were or were not doing, it was not living quietly. The New International Commentary on the New Testament says the verb translated to be quiet is used of silence after speech, or the cessation of an argument, or to rest from labor. It denotes tranquility of life. It is clear that some of the Thessalonians were far from living the simple life. Thus, Paul may have been urging them to retire from all their talking, perhaps mimicking the Greek philosophers, and therefore depending upon the support of others instead of working. Now, to mind your own affairs, as he writes... This word is used only one time in the New Testament, but it was common among Greek writers. Now, were these Thessalonians guilty of playing the role of spiritual counselors and creating religious activity for themselves, which others were convinced they needed to support? Perhaps. Don't forget what he wrote in chapter 2, verse 9. Paul told how he were so that he would not be a burden to anyone. But we know that Greeks looked down on manual labor. That was for slaves, they thought. It was too degrading for a citizen to be working with his hands. And here we have the establishment of a fundamental principle of this new Christian way of life, that disciples of Christ would be servants like their master and dependent On no one. Now the reason given for the exhortation in verse 11 is found in verse 12. So that you may command the respect of outsiders and be dependent on nobody. First they were to command respect. It's important. It always has been important in the New Testament epistles that people who believed in Christ command the respect of not only other Christians, but of the world in general. And the second reason for the exhortation is that they be independent of other people. When Paul wrote about his own ministry, he said he did not want to be a burden to anyone, and he was able to minister independently. He didn't have to wait until money came in before he could go on a campaign or on a missionary journey. He didn't depend upon anybody for that. Now most commentators neglect these reasons for working which are given here in verses 11 and 12. They instead say that the believers in Thessalonica stopped the work because they believed Christ was coming very soon. Now, where in the text do you find evidence for that kind of a view? Verse 12 gives a far different reason. First, there was a need for believers to convince outsiders, who are non-believers, that Christianity was not another racket whereby some people took advantage of other people by not working. Secondly, people who depend on others are not as likely to hold fast the truths of this new faith, which was essential. Now, we all know how a person can be made to alter his beliefs under the pressure of those who support him. Keep in mind, if people hire you, they can fire you. And before they fire you, they can tell you what to do. But if you're going to be a servant of Christ, then you need to have him as the master regardless of what men would like you to do, and you can best do that independently. Now, this would be a real danger to the truth of the gospel if men had to be dependent upon other men. The rich in the church would gain control. True prophets of God did not become indebted to any king or any faction that might hinder them from speaking the word that God gave them to speak to the people. King Balak, in the Old Testament, tried to bribe the prophet Balaam to curse Israel. He promised him wealth to control him for his own selfish desires. Now, if you found Christians not working... Because they thought Christ was coming soon, and you knew that he was not coming soon, what would you tell those Christians? I suppose you would tell them that there's no basis for setting a time for his return, and that he might not come for centuries. If this were their problem in Thessalonica, wouldn't Paul have handled it directly? Of course he would. But Paul's reasons for them working for a living is not because Christ might not come soon. The reasons given are related to reputation by outsiders, that means non-believers, and the other reason is independence. We have clues from both epistles written to Greeks, both the Thessalonian and the Corinthian epistles. Both of these have an unusual emphasis on working and supporting oneself. What was the problem in those Greek countries? It was the activity of philosophers, magicians, orators, and all who sought to enlarge their disciples in order to enrich themselves. The good news of the gospel attracted even false teachers, because it was an easy way to earn a living. And apparently, many men were misusing the gospel to earn a living from it. But Paul himself did not want to be in that class of preachers. He did not want anyone to identify him with such persons. Now, we're going to explore this subject fully next week, and I hope you'll join me here on Monday. Now, this is an unpopular subject, but I believe it's essential to understanding this great man, Paul the Apostle. Join me here Monday as we examine the scriptures related to Paul's teaching about the need for church leaders and Christian workers to earn their own living. The Radio Bible Course invites the questions and comments of its listeners. Until next week... This is Nick Calavoda reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.